Hello and welcome to Randomer Nintendo Episode 7. This time my turn as host. We're seven episodes in and this is my second time? I think. Third time? I think, and by choice, to be fair. We gave you the choice sooner. You you declined. So we're not mean people, (laughs) is what I'm saying. No, yeah, it's all... It's all good here. This is because I wanted to. And man, what a what a great week it's been. A lot has happened. You know, we got our Mario trailer, which is great. Everyone knows. I guess if you saw my Twitter, I'm obviously happy with Bowser Patrol. Well, obviously I have more I to say on the other I, side I later. I know you're rusty on the hosting thing, Angel, but who are we? Al, getting to that. Okay, okay. Yeah. If you all have our different style, you kind of just ruined my flow. Oh my God. All right, well... God, well, I guess since I can't do it my way, I guess we'll go Jason's way. And Kevin's and, you know way. what? I mean, we, Kevin and I are locked up on that, this that, one. <laughs> that voice you heard. Yeah, that's that's Jason. Yeah, the guy that interrupts. Yep. Hello. Um, directly across from me, but sitting a little ele- like a little elevated because um that's just kind of like where we rank the statuses. Jason is like below me and behind me. I I can't look at him when we're recording. Adam. But yeah, in front of me and above me is, is Kevin. Um, Kevin, okay, I switch seats with Jason. I'm afraid of bikes. <laughs> oh, actually, all right, fine, that's fair. Yeah, how do you think I'm able to boom down and just, interrupt you, Angel? I'm I'm clearly above you. Let me just uh, once you get off, Kevin, I'm gonna loosen some screws on the chair that's uh perched on top. Perfect. Perfectly fine. <laughs> cool. As long as I don't have that seat. All right, but yeah, we got a not a jam packed episode, but you know what they say: quality over quantity, and. That's what they usually say, whether we execute it or That's not. That's up to you, story. the listener, to tell That's true. Us. Yeah, I'm, I'm just setting a precedent that we might not achieve. So, <laughs> yay. I... It's like, is it really worth going to a buffet if the food sucks? That's a good... Well, see, that's an interesting question because some buffets, the food is a varying quality, but some, you do just go for the quantity, right? Like, if you go, like... I never know. Think about people that go like hometown never, or something. Don't think I've ever go. I mean, you usually go in groups, like you know, graduate from middle school. You get to go to hometown buffet. You're bored one Friday night. You have your friends over. Hey, let's go to uh, where do we go hometown to? Uh, Golden, Corral. Golden Corral, right? Which, by the way, actually has some good stuff. But, um, yeah, I remember their pizza and brownies and mac and cheese was good. Which is usually what I always get when I go to buffets. And I know, yeah, we've and we've talked about this many times i think in arnon or qc when they were a thing i think uh the most uh egregious story that usually is brought up in our friend circle when buffets come up is when we went to you know fancy schmancy wicked spoon in vegas which you know is a great buffet but see there's there's the thing the wicked wicked spoon is was delicious um, you guys hyped up the water, but it's that's, true. That's AK, also, we may have been hooked over the first time we tasted it. Because I do hype up the water. It's so good, but no, it it is good water. Oh yeah, it is good water. But you know, like our friends, like they go for like, oh, I'm gonna get the bone marrow, and you know, things that like you want to take advantage of. You know, high end buffets because yeah, we're not good. around the often. But of course, I just go for the pizza and spicy mac and cheese. And that's but also, when we good. go to restaurants, you tend to go for the burger, no matter the restaurant. So you're consistent. Before you knock yourself too much, you're consistent and you know what you like and you yeah, like what you like. Like I yeah, like at work we had a California fish grill. That was my first time getting anything from there. And I got the uh, California fish grill's great. I actually. I've never heard of California fish There's grill. There's a couple. And I got <laughs> Go ahead, Angel. And I got their chicken sandwich. Oh my god. The spicy chicken no. Sandwich. No. 
No, no. Their Why Cajun get anything rub, else? like trout and stuff, is really good. And actually a pretty good size. Rubs me the wrong way. Did you get the fries with your chicken sandwich at least? No. Mm, their fries are pretty good. It's healthy. As healthy as possible. It, no, that's not true. If you want as healthy as possible, you've gotten fish because fish is actually lighter than chicken in a lot of ways. Maybe. So you got as healthy as you would uh, exert yourself to be, essentially, as far as you would go, and that happened to be the chicken. This looks all yeah, right. It's like one of those fast casual. It's like 12 bucks for a plate. You get like two sides and the fish or whatever. It's like Mabu Fish Girl yeah. or any of those other ones that all are named after places in our state. Have never heard of Malibu. Well, they actually renamed so. to Malibu Eatery because they realized they too have chicken sandwiches and stuff. Um, there was a moment. I don't know if you guys noticed, but there was a moment. Like you know how Froyo, like they're all you change out of, no, out of nowhere, and they were all like super popular for a while. I feel like there was a moment where like fast casual fish places took that mantle and were like popping up. There were like six different chains of fast casual six places, uh, fish places that all opened within like a year of each other down in, like, the South Bay of L.A. where I used to live. And I think that's subsided now. Now it seems like hot chicken sandwiches are, like, the new thing. But for a while there, like, fast casual fish, that was where it was at. So, I don't know where I'm going with this point. I'm just pointing it out, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of new restaurants, a lot of old restaurants that we haven't tried yet. It's always going to be something you discover soon. We haven't even been to our, um, to those that don't know, we have a group called Foodies that we, I think at one point we were pretty consistent with it. Mm-hmm. Like maybe once every two months about, we would all go somewhere that none of us have been to, or at the very least one person had been to that really wanted everyone else to try it. I remember we went to some pizza place called Milo's or something. Uh, it was like by a restaurant that was built inside a train. My... Milo and Olive, Milo and Fig, something like that. Milo plus a Mediterranean. The only thing fruit. that I can think of is Carney's, that burger place. That sounds right. We've also been to Langer's, which but, is a classic LA deli, Jewish deli. A classic Jewish yep, deli. My people's oh, deli. Lang- yep. Langer's yep. Me. Uh, but yeah, actually, can't wait for our next venture. Like, I don't even know when it's going to be, but. I know we've been wanting to go back to a Langers. Actually, yeah, well, one, yeah, one of those delis <laughs> the, specifically. Yep, the, yep. I even get a yeah the pastrami sandwiches. Oh my god! All right, hold on. I, so I need to check there. I know I'm the interrupter today. So Langers has good pastrami, but there was a place up on the Sunset Strip called Cantor's? Greenblatt's. Cantor's is good, but Greenblatt's had. The best pastrami. Greenblatt's School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Correct. Uh, no, Greenblatt's, if anything, would sound more like Gringot or, um, yeah, Gringot, like the bank in Harry Potter, more than Hogwarts. But sure, we'll go with Greenblatt's School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Uh, but no, it was this, like, privately owned deli up on the Sunset Strip next to, like, one of the comedy uh, venues there. And it was around for, like, ever, like, 90 years. And then, like, a year or two ago, the guy who owned it was just like, yeah, I'm done. And they closed. And they did it with no notes. I found out, I think, morning of that they were closing. I'm like, well, I want to try and get one more pastrami sandwich because they had the best pastrami in L.A. Not only do I stand by that, I'm quoted in the L.A. Times as saying that. So I went, and I couldn't even get pastrami because wow. they ran out. So I never got my last taste of the best pastrami in L.A. So Langer's is good. 
Cantor's is good. There's a really good one called Wexler's. Um, they have a couple locations in LA. This is a very geo-specific podcast so far. But um, yeah, Greenblatt's, RIP Greenblatt's. They're still there. The building's still there. The facade is still there. The inside doesn't look like it's been gutted. I heard rumblings they might try and reopen with a different owner, but just like, what a what a sad time to have such short notice and then not even be able to get the pastrami. That is very sad. I do like the owner just just one day going out of the blue. Yeah, yeah literally. Like he he he, he did he, yeah exactly he did what he wanted to do he did it for like ever, and he's like okay I'm gonna gonna move on with my life. Screw you guys who want pastrami. <laughs> so so let me. Sometimes you gotta let people live their lives. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a shame, but I, 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 I say an agreement as a single che- uh, tear rolls down my cheek while we sit here. But yeah. uh, you'll be fine. Well, besides that, I mean, yeah, I mean, what do you guys got going on? I mean, how's it been since two weeks ago? I mean, I wasn't even in the last episode. I did listen to the whole thing, and I have since chatted with the rest of the group about the Panda Inn experience because yeah. I do remember that. Um, yeah, we talked. We talked to. Talk to the group about Panda Inn Express. Yeah, because well, Panda Inn. Because I had mentioned in the tweet that like I do remember going there with a group of friends, and I could have sworn both of you were there, but I guess it was the one time that we were visiting another friend, and on the way back we saw the restaurant, or actually on the way over there we saw the restaurant. And we're like, what the heck? Like I haven't seen one of these in a while. Well, I knew what they were because that I think that one that you went to, I think was the original. Essentially, Panda Inn. Only like four was started. Yeah, like Panda Inn was like the original restaurant. Like that's just how that Panda anything got started. And then eventually, like, you know, they were making money from it, but they figured like, oh, like there's kind of a they wanna I guess wanna they wanted to meet a demand for it. They they saw a niche and then they're like, All right, let's go to mall. So then they created Panda Express, which you know, the express version of and the then inn. And then Reggie and there, worked for that history. I learned this from his book. <laughs> and eventually people just forgot that Panda Inn was a thing. Yeah. And then... And now here we are. But no, I... I but, so you know Panda Express actually tried to go back to sit-down restaurants when Reggie worked there? Like Reggie Fizeman, like the Nintendo Reggie. When he worked at Panda I- Express, he helped them try to do a more... Some variation of it that was a little more like what Panda Inn was, but still sort of fast casual. And they tested it down in Manhattan Beach. Again, very geo-specific episode. Um, and it didn't work, and that was that. And then Reggie, once they said, no, 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 we're going to stick with Panda Express, Reggie's like, all right, see ya, and left the company. Yeah. Still family-owned. More you know. Well, pretty cool. I mean, yeah, I, can't, I don't even know if I'd recommend it. I mean, I guess you're going to go with the family, because it's one of those places where everything is, like, for sharing. Like, you don't order a plate just for yourself. You order shared sections, and... I just typically want something very specific. Like so a burger. Whenever we go to places sandwich. like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like sometimes I want something usually very specific and everyone wants to try a bunch of different things and I just want my specific thing. So whenever so I'm not a big fan of shareable places. Or where the whole I absolutely thing... prefer I absolutely prefer places where you can get your own thing. But I'd rather have a place that has shareables than Tapas yeah. places, and our friends really, really like tapas places. I like the idea. What are tapas? They're like places. small plates. Like you get like a bunch of different things, and it kind of like everyone gets like a little plate of one thing, and a little plate of another thing, and you get like seven things. 
it's just like a little, just like a bite's worth of food. He's like, all right, well, that's done. Let's go. Yeah, and each are like dish. 20 bucks individually. But, I mean, I really like being able to sample all those different flavors and try things. That's the first time I tried bone marrow since Angel evoked it earlier. It was not at Wicked Spoon in Vegas, but was at a tapas place. Um, so that's kind of nice. But, yeah. You, bone marrow was at Wicked Spoon. No, no, but I, the first time I tried it wasn't Wicked Spoon. It was a tapas Oh. Place. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm kind of with Kevin. Ideally, there's a little more food or it's all inclusive in some way so you don't have to keep being like well here's 12 dollars for a bite of bone marrow or that's under kind of here's you know eight dollars for two brussels sprouts like yeah bigger portions are nice yeah well yeah exactly exactly well yeah so wait i asked what was up with you guys? oh that's right i was in the last episode but yeah what else has been going on it's been two weeks Something must have happened to one of you. Wait, two. you no, were just the last episode? Kevin, remember? It was not. Yeah. Was it? Wait, no. Angel, that was two episodes ago you weren't on. Last episode was the Nintendo I Direct Heavy episode. Was yes. it? I don't remember being on yeah. the last one. To be well, fair, I To be fair, the waveform. <laughs> uh, my and your waveform looked yeah. <laughs> like we weren't even part Which of Which isn't anyone's fault, says the guy who occupied 95% of the show. Um, Makes sense. I guess if it was the Nintendo Direct one, then I guess it was basically. I feel a like we're Jason gonna fall episode. into that with the biggest news of the week, which is Pokemon can go on picnics. I mean, the Mario trailer. I would argue that's probably the smallest news the of the Mario week, trailer but it's or Pokemon news, on yeah. picnics. Both. Um, I mean, before we even start talking about the Mario trailer, we definitely talk about the most important thing that did happen. Pokemon this week. on picnics. Um. No, that, that that's that's so minor. It's not even worth. But mentioning. how do you make a sandwich um, with bread and give it to a Pokemon, which is a new thing you can do in Scarlet and Violet? How do you do that when the Pokemon you're giving it to is made of bread? You are it's cannibalism. If you give it to Fido, it's cannibalism. This is a major scandal. If you give it to Lechonk and it's a pork sandwich, you're giving him himself. It doesn't make sense. That's my concern. That's why it's a big deal. I mean, some animals eat their own species. It's kind of. I mean, I guess even humans do through Jeffrey Dahmer, but like. Why fish eat other True, fish? But the other the fish, not the same out. fish. I mean, some like lions beta fish eat other lions, lions, but like, I don't know. It just seems so <laughs> rude, not rude, but so like, ugh, to give a dog made of dough a sandwich held together by dough. Like, what? Anyway, what was the big thing you were going to bring up, Andrew? I mean, I guess, I guess maybe as long as it's not the same species of bread. Which is I guess, say, yeah. They're but... like, is it, yeah. If you was like, so if you're in whatever the region is, Pol- Pol- not Palladia, but whatever the region is, is Pokemon, and that Fido's there, and then you go over to, like, Johto, and there's, like, a Johto form of Fido. You can feed the Johto Fido to the Scarlet and Violet Fido, and it's okay, I guess. I guess that's kind of our consensus. I can live with that. Do you think we would ever get that? I mean, it seems like we're... It's only a matter of time before we get another Kanto remake. It would always have to be so long that... Because, I mean, you know, our only... Our most recent ones are e Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu. Yeah, and those aren't even remakes. Right? Or no, 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 Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, which I realize you forgot because you barely played. But um, those are the most recent. Wait, that's I'm talking about Kanto. Oh, oh Kanto. I'm talking about Sinnoh. remakes in general. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Kanto was Let's Go, and that was like a weird half spinoff remake. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like it's only a matter of time, and by a matter of time, I mean like you know another five. Actually, maybe not even five. I don't know. It seems like we're getting to that point where there's going to be enough nostalgia for those original ones that they'll bring those back. And I'm wondering if we're going to get 
like Kanto region exclusive just for like some of the new Pokemon? Because you know, probably there's obviously been like 500 plus new Pokemon since Kanto was created. It only makes sense that there might be some Kanto variations of, I don't know, um, Lechonk. Yeah, Fido. Yeah, we'll go with Fido. I can't even think of any. Yeah, a Lechonk. Exactly. But I. Yeah, I was saying the biggest yeah, news go ahead, go ahead. was that Lego Bowser was released this week, and man, that thing is huge. That box is huge. I, 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 I know we've seen it in person, but man, I'm so glad I'm finally able to build it. I'll give full impressions once I'm actually done building it, because the building process is really important. But so far, I've just built the base, and how much was it? Two hundred and sixty-five. So with taxes, it was okay. like two eighty. How many pieces? About. Over 2,000. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. And it's 18 plus, so yeah, it's rated M for mature. Well, that's, Ooh, I wonder what you're All the promotional material literally. 18 plus. <laughs> all the promotional material has uh, adults playing with the Bowser. There are no kids to be seen, so. Which, I don't know, I just found it a little interesting. I noticed that, but, yeah. Even, even like some like yeah. 30-year-old guy is like, hey, here comes Lego Mario. And he's like stomping Bowser like a Mario. I'm like, that. Feels like a miscasting, but I guess if it's eighteen plus, that's the only casting they could have done. Hey, I mean, if we're being honest, I mean that's probably what I would. I mean, do. yeah, let's so, be real. I would too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I definitely can't wait to finish building it. The little pamphlet it came with, you know, you get a little history on Bowser, mainly just the history of Lego and Bowser, which just started three, two years ago in twenty twenty, but already has like six different bowser versions which is pretty interesting but yeah bowser 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 can't wait to finish that thing one of my favorite purchases this year but all right i guess we could go to the next tier down of importance which i guess would be the mario movie also bowser's stole that show too so seriously like i was pretty impressed with bowser i'm i am glad jack black is at least doing a voice you still can't tell it's jack black especially with some of the lines yeah the i they even the like i did not or i do not sounds just like him yeah yeah even, even the way like he does like that smile it's almost like like oh yeah they push that like grin just a little further so like it kind of gives you like a jack black kind of vibe I'm a... if, without without giving him characteristics of jack black which is really impressive yeah that's what's crazy is like it's still and clearly yeah. bowser but it kind of looks like jack black like mario doesn't look a ton like chris pratt for example or luigi doesn't look a ton like charlie day but like bowser you could see jack black in him and it's really cool how they were able to do that without it not feeling more like bowser at the end of the day like that they walk that line really well i agree yeah definitely one of the great things about keeping your expectations i don't want to say super low i mean yeah, I guess I can't deny that my expectations were low for this Everyone's movie. Were. Um, I honestly, I just didn't have, and, and for some people, you know, like I'll, I've talked to a couple of people that kept telling me, like, well, I mean, Nintendo is like keeping an eye on them, so like it's everything's gonna be perfectly fine. And for some reason, and I couldn't tell exactly why, but knowing Nintendo was helping them, honestly, didn't like help my impressions of it if anything i thought that wasn't really gonna do much i don't know why i, I just kind of lost trust in miyamoto i don't know i don't know what it is Ooh, i just gasp. haven't really trusted miyamoto like if miyamoto is like behind something it doesn't really mean anything Sacrilegious. until we get the game it's just 
I don't. I, yeah. I do so I don't get know. what I, you mean. In all fairness, I mean Miyamoto's output. What Miyamoto has done over the years is incredible. He's put out so much great stuff, but he kind of lately finds pet projects that maybe aren't as impactful. You know, something like a Star Fox Zero with the gamepad, or something like a Pikmin Bloom, or so like. He obviously nailed it with Super Nintendo World from everything I've seen through videos and stuff. So obviously he still has the spark and obviously he still is very good at what he does. But he's kind of gotten in the weeds with some ideas just to see them through. So I, I see where you're coming through or coming from that like – Yeah, so I guess it is. That. And it still but, might. There's rumors it's still yeah. musical. So – Which I'm, I'm honestly fine with. But but what's the call? Yeah, Angel loves hmm? musicals. But yeah, I guess sure, his sure. track record, I guess on non-game stuff, I guess so far has been great. So I am building up a lot of faith. I'm, I'm guessing it almost feels like he really was doing a, no, you can't like exaggerate Mario this much. Or you can't exaggerate Bowser this much. Like they look pretty much how you would have wanted him to, except they gave Mario a collared shirt for some reason. Well, because he's a blue collar but... worker, literally. I mean, the movie starts, as far as I'm aware, based on some casting stuff, it starts in New York and then it gets dumped into the Mushroom Kingdom. So, you know. It's, yeah, but it's such a minor thing. But, it's yeah, the same with the gloves that, having the little, him, like... Give him literal, a literal collar yeah. for his blue collar yeah. job. And, like, the gloves are a little I mean, different. I don't the know. shoes have laces. Like, they tried to make it a little more real. Because if you look at Mario, like a render of Mario, even in, like, Mario Odyssey, the dude doesn't really have sleeves. Like, if you look at his shirt, there's no, like, wrinkles or elbow or anything. It's just, well, yeah, like, it's a long sleeve shirt because the gloves are over the shirt. No, 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 but I mean, like, there's no fabric on those sleeves. They render his denim really well on his overalls in every game. But, like, his arms are essentially, like, red in a way. So little things like, you know, they gave him more of an elbow or they gave him a collar. Like, that kind of just builds towards it. It's a real shirt. It's not just his skin, we promise. It's sort of like the opposite of Sonic with the blue versus beige. But, yeah, I think that's partly why they gave him the yeah. shirt, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I felt like some of his changes felt more superfluous than Sonic's. Because at least Sonic's, like, you can see why they didn't give him the single giant eyeball. Right. Like, it probably would look more unsettling in live action. Because they literally were going for that kind of mm-hmm. look. But, but yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it doesn't he matter. It's good without the, without the uniball. No, yeah, yeah. He still looks good. That's why I was like, oh, it worked. Like, it doesn't bother me. This one, I mean, not that any of that even bothers me. It's just like observations oh, totally, it's totally. just like oh they changed that they got rid of his butt the voice though um, he doesn't have a butt he he has yeah. no ass there's a there's a surprising uh lack of amount of cake which you had an amazing <laughs> tweet on that i forgot how you worded it kevin but i i laughed out loud when i saw it um what was it you said something uh, about peach i think it was like peach no wonder peach oh, is right, making right, a cake right, right. it's because yeah, mario has there them. we go yeah but yeah it's um I mean, if you look at the comparison between, like, how people reacted to Sonic's first design versus people just pointing out Mario doesn't have a butt, like, they pretty much nailed it if the complaints are so much more minor, you know? It just doesn't look right, you know? It, he's Yeah. I never thought Mario would have Hank Hill ass, you know? <laughs> There's a series of words in a sentence I never thought would exist. But, yes, yeah, that, you're right, it's... I wonder why they did that. Because even the games, they give they round it out a bit. Yeah, you know they 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 give them something to to show off. But like ground pounds must not be effective for this Mario. God, that's gotta hurt his poor like pelvic they, bone. They probably hurt. Yeah, or, his probably coccyx. Bone. Poor guy. Coccyx. Is it that, that <laughs> bone in the back? The coccyx. That's yeah, their tailbone. Yeah, yes. their tailbone. That is correct. Yeah. 
I it, it's only remember, well, Kevin. It's Xbox only Bowser so. Lego Bowser that's eighteen plus. So I'm not going to say something about any other part of Mario's body that sounded like the word cocksix. I'm only talking about his tailbone because that's a G or PG affair, unlike the Lego Bowser. <laughs> well, aside from his his lack of his uh, glutes, you know, his 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 cardboard butt. Uh, you were starting to get into his voice. Yeah, and I'm not gonna say it sounds bad, but I don't know the delivery that they chose to show us sounded, and more so like the the final lines he says. Yeah, just, just didn't sound great. Like be it like Chris Pratt's voice or anyway, it just almost sounded like he didn't really care to be there. It, it sounded phoned in, and because I and then obviously people started posting like recordings from different languages, especially the French one. And cause oh, the, the French, French one goes great. hard. Yeah, yeah. And you compare them, even just on delivery, like not even the fact that the French one sounds like Mario. Um, yeah, it. I don't know. It's like I kind of hope that's just not how Mario is gonna deliver his lines most of the movie. It almost sounds like the casting. Like I mean, even the Penguin, like the Penguin King, sounded like I love the delivery of all those lines, but Mario just sounded flat. Yeah, it's there's a hint. He sounded uninterested. <laughs> Like Mushroom Kingdom. Mario, Mario yeah, he's just, all he's just here we go. Oh. Huh. It, it all comes Mario together. Mario's voice and butt are one and the same. Um, there is a slight voice Pratt is doing. Like, there is a hint of a Brooklyn accent, but in reality, in the internet... Yeah, there's like a yeah, Brooklyn like here we come. But, like, the problem is, as the internet pointed out, it has now forever ruined the movie for me. What Mario actually sounds like, what Chris Pratt's voice actually is, is Linda from Bob's Burgers. <laughs> like, it's yeah. like people have animated like her saying that while wearing a Mario hat. I'll find the tweet for you guys at some point. But um, yeah, it sounds just like it's, her. Like it's so it's uncanny. Yeah, it's really uncanny. Yeah. So he is doing a voice. Everyone said Chris but, Pratt's not doing a voice. He's doing a voice from another show. So credit to Chris. He changed. And that his was voice. Keegan's tone. Yeah, that's Keegan Michael. I mean, Keegan. I guess I, it's I, him doing a voice as well. It definitely sounds. I was like kind of hoping he, he would had just a filter on them. On, on yeah, code. I was kind of hope. Yeah, it sounded like they pitched him up, but I was kind of hoping yeah, yeah. it would just be his voice. I feel like that'd be a lot I more was funny. Cool but with the voice. You no, know, that's fine. It's too. a little. No, I mean, well, I mean, also... it, it sounds fine, but it's more like, like same thing with um. Michael Richardson's, like, knowing that they were cast, I was kind of hoping to hear their specific voice just because it would contrast the way their characters look so much that it would, I would just find that hilarious. Oh, sure, sure. Because normally Michael Richardson's voice is, like, this very deep, like, voice. I mean, he voiced Shredder in one of the Ninja Turtles, and it's just, like, the deep, gravelly voice. Mm-hmm. And he was supposed to voice, or he's voicing Magic Koopa. So coming from, like, that tiny little turtle body, that would sound hilarious, but it sounds like he went for, like, a higher pitched older sounding voice which works like i mean it matches the character a lot but yeah well kind of it's one of those things where i wouldn't have even batted an eye if i didn't know who was voicing those voices but because i know who it is it was like oh it's kind of hoping like, i feel like it kind of recognizes like, them it's like expectations at odds because on the one hand you know we want it to like visually look close to the real games but then voice wise we're cool with it being different so i kind of get why if they're gonna make the visual so similar the voices have to kind of be as similar Whatever they did to them. Yeah, it, it, it feels like a weird... I mean, obviously because we're not the people... Like, we're not the type of people who are going to go watch this Mario movie because Chris Pratt or so-and-so is in this movie. And, you know, yeah. they obviously cast those people for the for the notoriety because, you know, 
stars but sell it, tickets. Would there blah, actually blah, blah. be somebody who go to see this movie because well, of the cast? So, I'm guessing parents. Well, it seems to be always like who they point the finger to, but I feel like if you're going to put a specific person to voice something and then I can't even recognize them as that person, it almost kind of defeats the purpose. I'd rather they just have like a professional, like someone who is really experienced with animation. Or just a voice actor who did it up to this point, yeah. I feel bad for Charles Martin. Yeah. He has like Easter egg so sprinkle, it's kinda, but like he's kind of getting yeah. overlooked completely. The weird catch twenty two. Yeah, like the guy. I don't know how to feel about that. I time. will say the one Toad voice that I know we talked about on Ram Nintendo back when this was announced, like a half a decade ago, was Kevin Hart as Toad would have been amazing. I would have been cool with them changing the voice because Kevin Hart, when he gets excited, hits that be, voice huh? a little. But yeah, like I'm okay with Toad. Like it, it's not as high pitch. It's not like quiet as like hi like you know but it's it's not horrible and then there's there's like a rumor that that uh keegan's gonna be playing all the toads so I maybe really hope so you know a different toad will will have a different i really hope and... so just because that means they're gonna have to in movie do the thing where all the toads just some of them just sound super raspy and squeaky and yeah and it could also address why toad in the 90s was squeaky and then later became a chain smoker so if they have keegan just doing different pictures for different toads like it kind of amend that weird voice shift they did on Toad in the games. Do you think Toads are asexual? No, because Toadette exists. Yeah, it's supposed to be, right? I thought that I thought Miyamoto himself said that they're yeah, that they're asexual. Like they could be whatever oh, you're they right. want. You're right. Toadette, he, did. he did. Toadette is literally just a toad that chose to identify as Toadette. Yeah, I uh to be honest, I haven't given the toad sexuality much stock. I for many years, as I've explained, I think to you guys like a year ago on the podcast, uh, have a whole theory of how chances um asexually reproduce in Pokemon, even though they have genders. Um so I never really thought about toad because I was too busy figuring out chancy eggs. You know, my brain can only hold so much. That's what I'm saying. But that makes sense that they can choose to identify how they want. That's why some are green and some are blue and some have pigtails like Toadette, and like it does it does make sense. As much sense as this can make. They're living mushrooms. Do you think we'll see Captain Toad? Uh, sort of. He's on the poster. Kind of. Yeah, well, oh, not with he? the headlamp, but the backpack. The toad that's leading Mario in the poster has oh, Captain Toad's backpack. Almost exactly. And I think Keegan's oh, toad in the trailer might have it. it, too. That's the thing that was kind of funny to me is, like, the trailer... Well, one, the trailer was kind of funny how it was edited. It was just two scenes smushed together, which was fine. And then Luigi running away in the last second into either Bowser's castle or... What's a teaser? No, I know, but like some... And teasers normally can be whatever you want. You know, my favorite teaser of all time was the Dark Knight teaser where it was just the logo with like light bursting through as Joker quotes were being said. So like you can do whatever you want with the teaser, but I did think it was interesting how they're like, here's a scene of Bowser, here's a scene of Mario, okay, done. Versus like splicing anything together, really. But, um... So the teaser, because it's just those two things, was whatever. But I really liked how the poster that came out a couple of days earlier, besides resetting expectations and kind of getting me back on the right, maybe there's hope here, you know, between, like, just the detail in the poster and little things. Like, they even situated the platforms hovering in the sky just right that Mario actually, like, platformed through them. Like, that was cool. But um, that, to me, really embodied what the movie's going to be because you had the fan service on the poster. They had, like, the antique shop with, like, the little voxel versions of old items from Mario 3. You had, like, the Captain Toad nod with the backpack. You had a Yoshi egg. Like, you had all these little things in the poster. That I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of, like, attention to detail, love and care, layers of visuals. Like, it, that really is what got my hope up for the whole thing. And then, you know, that's even to your point about Captain Toad. That's where it's most noticeable is, like, there. Like, his backpack has the pins and everything that Captain Toad has on, too. So it was, uh, yeah, it was just 
it was just cool to see the poster because I like you, Angel. I think we're really kind of like, oh, this might not be good. But then to see the poster, it really sort of gave me this like hope. And then when the trailer came out, I was like, okay, yeah, they actually they actually nailed this thing. It's possible. So, so yeah, Captain. Yeah, Jeff, which I mean, I mean, we were gonna watch the movie regardless of the poster oh, totally. or the trailer. Totally. Poster, yes, like like you said, um, or the voices did instill more faith. The trailer, I feel like, sold me even more. So at, at this point, I'm just literally not gonna watch any other anything else from mm-hmm. it at this point like there's no point like i don't want to stale any voices or i don't even want to know what peach looks like until oh, there's leaked renders of, there. or dk peach leaked a few hours before the trailer came out so just uh i did see the mario face trailer leaking before the yeah trailer they're, they're from the same source peach. mcdonald's so thanks mcdonald's ruining uh-huh. everything but um i do like Damn. you know going into this i feel like we kind of like everyone's like oh yeah it's the story of like mario showing up in the mushroom kingdom kind of but what i did like is have so much of the trailer besides just highlighting bowser who's stealing the show as we talked about um it's kind of gonna actually show us like bowser's not origin but like every mario game we know like oh peach gets kidnapped and mario's go through these worlds but like we're gonna see if the penguin thing was any indication where Mar- where bowser is like going kingdom by kingdom place by place species by species whatever you want to think of it as we're actually going to see Bowser get situated for once. Like, he's already, like, at the end, and he has his, all min- his minions at, like, every world along the way, but we never, like, see him do that. So we've always talked about how this is Mario's origin and how he's going to show up at Mushroom Kingdom for the first time, yeah. but it's cool. He looks like an actual threat. Yeah, it's cool to actually see him, like, progress through the Mushroom Kingdom and, like, or presumably do so, and, like, go region by region and conquer it. And hopefully they have another scene like that, or maybe shorter or a little different, but not just the penguins, but maybe some other thing, maybe... I don't know, maybe somehow the Isle Delfino pops up, or I don't know what it would be. That wouldn't make sense because that's not Mushroom Kingdom. But my point is, to actually show him, like, going up against normal citizens of the Mushroom Kingdom was kind of cool, and I did not expect that they were going to do that. So that was actually a really cool way to open the whole, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess uh, before we move on to the next thing, I'm just kind of curious. If you just had to, off the top of your head, you could put as much or as little thought into it as you want. Um, What would be your your out there guess for what the, cause there's obviously going to be one, a post credit sequel bait <laughs> stinger. Um, what, what, what's your, what's your shadow reveal? Uh, and I'll go first just to give you an example. I would say they're going to tease Wario and Waluigi somehow. Yeah. Yeah. That's was a lot of the internet would be like, Oh, they're going to do like, Oh, the smash bros initiative. I mean, obviously not, but it's either. Yeah. Realistically, <laughs> it's going to be Wario and Waluigi. Maybe eventually, but I don't know. Maybe. They do some sort of doubled teaser gag, and at the end they have a throwback to, like, Wart or something for all the parents that grew up with the old Mario games. Like, him just, like, not conquering the world and just kind of stuck, and that'd be, like, a deep cut. Um, The one I thought was funnier than the Smash um, tease joke was if Sonic was there and he's like, I want to tell you about the Olympic Game Initiative or something like that, but obviously that's never going to happen. But, yeah, I think Wario and Waluigi is probably the, the obvious one. Although it depends on how much Donkey Kong, like Seth Rogen's Donkey Kong. Then let's get Kong that one out of the way because clearly it's, it's, it was so obvious that like all three of us would have said yeah, that. Yeah, but so. it, it could go the Donkey Kong route. I mean here's here's my thinking there. So Seth Rogen and Fred Armisen are cast as uh, Donkey Kong and Cranky Kong. This movie's going to be stuffed already, so I don't think they're going to have a big part. But Nintendo's already planning to expand Super Nintendo World with a Donkey Kong section. Donkey Kong, while they haven't released anything in a long time, sells well. 
There's rumors they're doing a 3D Donkey Kong game. Like, it seems like they could be priming the pump to bring back Donkey Kong. I think they might like the Donkey Kong solo movie. Yeah, yeah, like a Kong Kong Island situation. Yeah, because that would sync up so well with all their other initiatives right now. So I could kind of see it being Donkey Kong. And then, like, it's not going to be Toy out of left field because they'll be in the movie, but probably really small. So if they, like, expand on that. But Warren Waluigi would be definitely a Donkey Kong Country TV show reboot. Yeah, oh, I'd be okay with that because honestly, Plus. I said this when they cast him before, and I'll say it again. Someone at Illumination or Nintendo remembered Donkey Kong in the Crystal, not Crystal Skull, uh, Crystal Coconuts or whatever it's called, because Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong is basically the 90s CG cartoon Donkey Kong. Like, that was a stoner, like, <laughs> sort of Donkey Kong then, and Seth Rogen is 100% going to play it pretty similar, I bet. So that there, there, someone remembered that and drew that link back, and I am amazed they did that. And I, I'm actually very much looking forward to Seth Rogen's Donkey Kong, just to see what he actually does. Yeah, it's definitely a fun one. I'm definitely looking forward yeah. to. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I do feel I, like I totally see that. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. Spend some DK, but it could go either way. Unless if they don't, if Yoshi doesn't come out at all, then I'm, I'm willing to bet it's just gonna be like. Yoshi gets discovered and something. Yeah, the fact that they showed his egg but, in the antique like the shop in the poster, like in the back corner of the antique shop, the Yoshi egg, it kind of makes me think that's some sort of like being like, yep, there's your Yoshi reference. Like, well, he's a it dinosaur. It would be crazy if Yoshi don't make any kind of appearance in will. some way. I don't think he will. Even if it's like in the background. Maybe but... if he does, I hope one of the deep cut jokes is they say his full name. His full, like, you know how his actual name is, like, Yoshisaurus. Like, it's, like, three words or something. Like, they just offhand, like, say his full yeah. name. T. Yoshisaurus Munchakupa. Yeah, like, I want them to say that. In the same way that they introduced Bowser as, like, the King Koopa, which most people that follow Nintendo know. But, like, I was watching her with uh, with Rachel, my girlfriend, and she was like, wait, Well, they King said Koopa. the King of... Presenting the, no, they said presenting the King of... Right, right, right. But that's they a nod to when he was Koopa. called King Koopa. Like, it... Yeah, like some people don't know Bowser King Koopa are one of the same. So like, I mean, like he's the king of the Koopas. I don't know what else you could call them or what else you could say. That's my okay. I guess they could just say Bowser. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they 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 chose I the mean, wording because they he has that name attached to him in the past. Like that wasn't, you know, they don't bring out Darth Vader and they go like the president of the empire. Or, well, he won't be the president, but you know what I mean? Like the vice chancellor. Like they don't they just say Darth Vader. So like they that was definitely I think a nod to his old name. In my opinion. I, yeah. But I will say, before it's, we completely jump ship it. on topics, um, I feel like... Overwatch 2. What? Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. No, I was going to say, I, was gonna, I had a couple things I wanted to say real quick. Um, if that's okay. Even if it's not, I'm doing it. I'm barreling through. Um, but no, I was going to say that, like, we talked about the trailer itself and we talked about the content. But I feel like the thing we didn't touch on is just kind of the, like, for me... At least I felt like it was really a, a, a moment of sorts, like for Nintendo, for me, like just there, were, there was like a moment, like this was a big, like thing. It wasn't just here's a Mario movie. Like this was a, you know, for Nintendo, this was a pivot. And like personally, it was kind of one of those moments that just like I, I don't know exactly how to word this, but it was like I, I guess the best I could describe is like it like popped my fandom bubble. Like I don't know if you guys have ever had this happen, but there's been a couple times in my life, like sometimes. You know, I'm passionate about something to the point that's, like, part of my own sort of, like, self-identity. And and those things I always feel so close. I don't always see the forest through the trees of just how massive that thing is in our, like, collective culture or zeitgeist or whatever you want to call it. And uh, the best way to, like, describe what I mean is, like, the first time I experienced this um, 
was oddly enough, and bear with me here, this is going to get a weird comparison, but weirdly, the first time I experienced this kind of fan bubble pop was when Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park passed away, which I realize sounds somber and weird to evoke. But, like, you hear me out here? Like, I used to, you know, I followed Lincoln Park for so long. I basically grew up listening to them. I attended so many of their shows and events, especially because they were hometown bands. There's always stuff going on in L.A. to interact with them and whatnot. Um, and while everyone's heard of Lincoln Park, it always felt like the fandom was, like, super close-knit and kind of small. Like, the band would be on fan sites. There were only a couple thousand people big. Like, or I would see some of the same people at shows. Like, literally, there's another guy named Jason who I saw repeatedly at shows. And then at meet and greets with, like, Mike Shinoda. And, like, we're now friends just from, like, bumping into each other at Lincoln Park shows. So, anyway, the point is, when Chester passed... um, that immediate outpouring from really all over the place that occurred, like so many people now discussing his talent and, you know, things like going to a, um, I think it was a, a fan organized, like free public memorial in downtown LA at Grand Park. Again, we're a very geo specific podcast today. Um, but just seeing how many people were also attending, like those were moments where I was like, oh, wow, like Lincoln Park, like Chester, that, that's, a, that means a whole lot to a whole lot of people. Like it was, it was immediate like zoom out from the trees to like back to the full forest. And it served as a reminder of just how big this thing I thought was so small and tiny and per- important to me actually was to like a lot of people. And, and, you know, sort of, I feel like in a much more positive way, the Mario movie trailer was kind of the same thing. Like certainly stepping into Super Nintendo world in person when it opens up will be that way. But with like the trailer and Nintendo as a whole, like, again, everyone knows what they are. You know, just like how the majority of people know the song in the end, you can ask someone for a brief Mario synopsis and they're going to be able to do it 99% of the time. It's not like people don't play Nintendo, nor is it not like for those who do play Nintendo, there's a whole store of merch run by Nintendo in New York and Tokyo and things like that. But I have such just like longstanding, passionate fandom that was so close up to Nintendo and like such a core part of me for my entire life, almost in like a tunnel vision you saw away that experiencing, like, the actual scale and scope of the Mario trailer, like, not just a press release, but, like, the actual product coming together, it kind of hit me in that same, like, fan bubble-popping way. Like, like having a Nintendo Direct where they're, like, real-life mainstream celebrities was, you know, it, it not just video game people. Like, that was kind of like, oh. Or, like, having the trailer end with, like, the swelling Mario theme mixed with those orchestral flourishes that only, like, the real movies do. Like, all that in contrast to the days when Nintendo Directs were just, like, Iwata, Reggie, and Miyamoto, you know, goofing around or the days where, like, Nintendo felt small enough that somehow quoting a sentence from me about Donkey Kong Country 3's Game Boy Advance port was enough of a marketing move for them that they did on their homepage. And, like, yeah, this will sell the game. Like, to go from that to, like, this, to this chair reveal is just kind of eye-opening in the sense of, like, this thing that is their personal because it felt so personal felt niche, even though it's not really isn't niche. And, and certainly there's been smaller instances in the past where there's been that similar feeling. Uh, I think Reggie and Miyamoto showing up on the tonight show, Jimmy Fallon to promote Mario run and switch is probably the best example, or actually by that same token, Miyamoto showing up at the Apple keynote to also promote Mario runs, a good example. Um, and obviously Nintendo's done movies and shows and merch before there's so much merch these days, but it's all like, produced by partner companies or licensed out or part of limited time campaigns or just kind of these fleeting things like an appearance on a TV show. Uh, the Mario movie, though, like, that's Nintendo co-producing and co-creating. Like we were saying, Miyamoto's directly involved. Like, the same the same company who was doing those goofy directs long ago is now doing, not that long ago, I should say, is now doing this. 
And, you know, now you have people like Chris Pratt and Jack Black, like, in the head of Illumination, all discussing the influence of Shigeru Miyamoto. Like, that guy, like, our Nintendo, the Nintendo nerds, like, Shigeru Miyamoto, like, us gamers guy is, like, being called out by these huge figures. Like, it it, it just felt like it was this much more massive stage. And the, I don't know, the fact that it could be there at that point really, I guess, points to the cultural clout Nintendo obviously does have with so many people. But it was just interesting to have that feeling when watching it of, like, whoa, yeah, this they're a big deal. Like, this is a big company. It was almost like a feeling of, of pride or something. Like, I, I don't know how better to describe it, but when you, like, root for something you've been a fan of for so long, when it's, like, so core to you, especially with how myself and I know a lot of other gamers almost treat the console makers like sports teams, like, this is winning a championship. Like, this is like a Super Bowl moment for your, your team, if you will. Like, all eyes are on Nintendo. And like we were saying, like, they kind of, it, it looks promising. They probably nailed it, which made in particular that final moment at the end of the trailer when it was all laid out before us and we kind of saw how we got here and they had that Mario orchestral flared up music going like I, I mentioned like it just made it made it kind of a special like wow we made it look at us even though we you know me had nothing to do with it I'm just a fan but it still kind of felt that way and it was a cool feeling like I don't know have, have you guys had that with anything you're a fan of like you know either like the realization of oh this is much bigger than I thought or just that pride of something like blowing up in the way it does i i thought i think it was like angel anything with tmnt ever hit you that way or anything on your end kevin because it's a cool don't feeling think so. i don't think i've ever felt a wow this is really big just more of like a it's like wow like this is making me reflect on why i really love what i love mm-hmm. like i think like instead of like going in the direction of like wow this is a very big franchise that a lot of people care about i think it just goes back to me because i typically rarely rarely look at what the fandom is saying or even pay attention to the fandom or even acknowledge the fandom and almost like everything that i do right like i even on like social media like i call i kind of follow things in a vacuum um so i typically don't really hear a lot about a ton of backlashes like it's like you know as and there are some things that I do hear about eventually, like, you know, like, obviously, like, kind of using Rick and Morty as an example. Like, outside of, like, that period where, you know, the fan base was so crazy that it even made, like, headlining news. That was probably, like, the only time I've heard anything about that fandom. Besides that, like, you know, I would just watch that show in a vacuum with my brother. And we enjoyed it. We had our laughs. But I... I knew it was big, but it ne- it was never like something that I would get reminded of or ever came back as a thought. That and, and even speaking of which, uh, the latest season, yeah, damn, been pretty funny. Been enjoying a lot of it. That, but um, that's fine. But again, I honestly don't even know what the current fan base even thinks about it. Or if, it if anyone even cares about the latest season, I haven't really. I think we had maybe one friend like t- like mention it in our one of our group chats that it's coming up, and I don't even think anyone even acknowledged it. But, you know, I still look forward to it. I still watch it in day of. It, it, it's funny because that's kind of like I'm almost saying the same where I'm like, I mean, my vacuum's a little bigger. But the point of like, oh, yeah, like you're so it's just you and the product, you and the thing. Like to some extent, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like it's just me and this small contingent of people who are super passionate about it. And I'm in that vacuum that when something does go super big and then you kind of zoom out and go, oh, there's so many other people that are also doing this or watching this. That's where I'm kind of like, whoa. So it's funny that you're, you're basically, it sounds like from what you're saying, you're like one step further down the vacuum than even me. But because of that, you're cool. It's just like, yeah, it just is what it is. But for me, I'm like right at that tipping point where I look around and go, oh, actually, there's a lot of people that care. That's crazy. 
like that it's yeah so we're kind of, it's almost like parallel in a way what we're saying even though we have very different reactions to it oh yeah have you ever had that happen yeah, like this i mean if anything just made me go like like oh man i love bowser so much right so that's right. pretty much it yeah you had a solid week of bowser stuff this was a great week for you yeah it was, it kevin was. you ever had that with a fandom though like some where you're so like in it that you don't realize everyone else. or like you know they announce something and you're just like oh wow like or are you just kind of whatever fair nope. enough <laughs> yeah like even at even at anime expo when i saw when my brother and i went to the the mob panel thing where they showed us the intro mm -hmm. like my god can't believe that was almost like four months ago and the season is finally starting now which i still have to watch the first episode i just have not had time but i'm making time today it was great um just so I could finally watch it on TV and not on, like, my phone or something. But, yeah, like, even that, like, being in the auditorium with, like, all those, like, mob fans, like, I knew at some point that mob was, like, a big show. And even seeing all those people, like, I don't think I ever really thought at some point, like, oh, man, like, everyone really loves it. Like, this is a pretty impacting show on anime. I, I definitely, I don't know, maybe I'm just good at keeping my thoughts relatively to myself. I think I would have to... And also, I guess I also don't think Ninja Turtles have gotten to a point where it's that big. I think even at its peak, it still felt niche compared to, like, DC and other stuff like that. Mm, yeah. Because I think it comes down to, you know, like, the everyday people. Like, the average person you talk to. Like, I think besides... I, I mean, maybe less so now. Just because, you know, I work in games. So, there's the average person sometimes like Ninja Turtles. So I do kind of run into that from time to time. But when I wasn't working in games, like, yeah, it was rare to hear anybody talk about Turtles. Like, even people that like pop culture. Right. It's always just Marvel and Disney. So, yeah, I guess until, like, yeah, but like, Nintendo would probably be, like, the next closest thing. And even then, it still felt where... more niche, right? Like, it still kind of felt like, yeah. even though it's this huge thing. I mean, the trailer, someone calculated out and looked at all the different channels that hosted the trailer. 61 million views in 24 hours. Like, that's crazy, but we don't think about that because we're, like, so, like, close Dude. to Nintendo and think of it so niche that, like, it's crazy. Um, and I think that's the other monumental piece of this whole trailer because I said there are, like, two moments to it, so to speak. Um, and this is just, you know, standard podcast fare, and then we can move on to Overwatch. But I was going to say, like, the, what it means for Nintendo, right? Because we're talking about what it means for us. But you guys remember Kid Ellis, maybe, former NOA employee? No. Um, so he was, yeah, he was the guy that did Nintendo Minute. But now he does a podcast with his... Um, oh, from Kid yeah, Krista, yeah, now the, he and Krista, the person you used to stalk or something. I didn't stalk them. We just ran into him at multiple events, and I may have exchanged emails with him just to do an interview once. But, um, yeah, no, he made a observation on Twitter the morning of the trailer that really resonated with me, which that this trailer was the most important day for Nintendo since the Switch reveal. And I really do think he's right. Like, if you think back to that fateful day in, what, October 2016, I think, like, basically, Nintendo was talking up this huge new strategy of how they rebound from the Wii U. We knew there was this new concept coming down the pipe in the form of the uh, then-codenamed NX. But that trailer was the coming out. That was the moment when the public would say they're into it or they hate it. That moment was when Nintendo would have to show, not just tell, and hope that they were on the right track. They had to show it, and people would react. And as we all know, you know, they were on the right track. It worked out super well for the Switch. But this Mario movie trailer, it feels like it was the same deal. Like, you know, they mentioned in the direct, and I was saying earlier, they spent so long making this movie. I think the actual number, I said half a decade, I think the actual number is seven years. And this is arguably the linchpin of their entire 
IP expansion plans, maybe even more so than Super Mario World. Because if they nail it, Nintendo's not a game company anymore. They're an entertainment company. Like, Super Nintendo World can always live on as a sort of extension of the game IPs. Like, oh, you play Nintendo games, you can have fun here. You'll enjoy it. But a movie, that can be its own living, breathing ecosystem. That can turn dormant IPs into active ones. They'll be associated with games, but not tied to them in the same way. Like, the reach of movies or TV shows or streaming miniseries or whatever, that's massive in a way a theme park isn't. And so much stuff like merch and other opportunities to further expand those IPs, you know, it's just huge when you have kind of more passive, I guess you could call it, content like that. And I think Nintendo knows this. They're putting a lot of eggs into this, like, I guess, again, passive content basket, uh, you know, into movies, into TVs, into using IPs for those. Um, And we didn't talk about much at the time. But about three months ago, Nintendo actually straight up bought a production company, Dynamo Pictures, which is a Japanese animation house that with Nintendo, we maybe know them best for uh, the Pikmin shorts in the Wii U era, those like six-minute long set of three. But they also did a lot of CG and animation work, including Ghost in the Shell, Earwig and the Witch, Persona 5's uh, cutscenes, Death Stranding, the list goes on. And and this week, literally like two days before the Mario trailer came out, uh, the acquisition was completed. The studio was completely renamed. It's now Nintendo Pictures. And being the weirdo that I am who likes to read press releases, I started digging around the new website with Google Translate and what quickly jumped out to me is that Yoshiaki Koizumi is now one of the studio directors. And you may not recognize his name immediately, but he's the Nintendo producer behind the 3D Mario games. Uh, Angel, he's the one we met and took photos with while he was wearing cat ears to promote Mario 3D World at uh, the time they did Best Buy at E3 at Best Buy, if you remember that, that guy. But you guys may now, and the broader audience may now recognize him as um, the host of modern Nintendo Directs. But he's gone on from doing 3D Mario games to being the general manager of all Nintendo's game output and the general producer of the Switch itself, which I think goes to show that in the same way the Switch was make or break and Nintendo put someone in charge they thought could handle that, Nintendo's pouring a lot into doing movies, TV, you know, all that type of passive content. Like, you don't toss someone like Koizumi on a little pet project. So to bring this back to the Mario trailer, for them to be able to demonstrate that, yes, they're on the right track, Movies will work. Yes, the proof is in the pudding. To again be able to show, you know, and not tell. This was a big moment for Nintendo in its future. And assuming the reception to the final movie is as solid as that trailer feedback was, assuming the movie brings in money in the same way it got those 61 million views or whatever, this is this is that moment. Like, this is Nintendo's newest chapter. This is their future. This is where they're going. They're not just a game company. And the fact that we had kind of that potential seemingly turning into a watershed moment for Nintendo. First time they've done anything like this since we've been fans. That's pretty exciting in and of itself. So the movie chair itself, yeah, it was like two minutes long, but like the impact of those two minutes has a long tail. It's going to completely change what Nintendo is. And that that's really kind of interesting in and of itself. Anyway, now I'm done with my thoughts on the Mario movie. If you did want to move on to Overwatch... No, nope, still here. I don't know what happened there. Oh man, I was muted. Huh. Uh, yeah, but basically, yeah, I was saying like, oh yeah, finally Overwatch. So that actually had a couple trailers released this week, I believe, unless they were older. But um, a close friend of ours, um, Marcel, Kevin, and mine, so Matthew, Jason. If you're curious, who I was referring to, I, I do know that man. Um, 
pushed a trailer to me that he wanted me to check out. It was for the Japanese character. I forgot her name. But Kiriko. Kiriko, yes. And that trailer, man, I guess it's been a while since I've seen um Overwatch's like character trailers, but damn the animation. Like I just forgot how impressed I was every time I would look at those. Like, especially the facial expressions. I don't think I've ever seen so many like subtle facial movements and like a trailer in such a long time like especially for like a game like it was it honestly blew me away like it was kind of crazy like i was like man like these people have to make a movie or something because this was pretty awesome but i have not played it and kevin i mean you're probably the only one here that has actually had a real experience with overwatch kevin is that experience playing or waiting in the queue because the game keeps crashing and taking offline oh Oh, you actually got through Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> Angel had a canned Brilliant. response that was the wrong response there. He sounded sad. <laughs> uh, I've got a lot to say about Overwatch, too. Go for it. Uh, as well? <laughs> no. About Overwatch, the sequel. Or Overwatch, <laughs> the sequel. Uh, um, uh, just a, a little bit of background for me is I was born on it. No. <laughs> My social uh, is. <laughs> Yeah. We need the, Kevin Origins to really get it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> funnily enough, the uh, uh, Overwatch, when released on consoles, I believe was called Origins Edition. That does, yeah, that rings Anyways. a bell. Because wasn't it supposed to have more of a single player aspect once upon a time? No. Well, okay. I'll get to that. <laughs> um, the original Overwatch was the entire reason that I got into PC gaming. Um. I remember seeing that first trailer and thinking to myself, I'm not playing that on a controller. I'm playing that on a computer. So I built my computer. I got into the beta. Then the game was released and I played it for 970 hours. What year did it come out again? Like 2016. Oh, okay. And you played 970? It doesn't feel like that long. It feels like three years ago. But it hit Switch three years ago. I mean, that's what you're thinking. Yeah. Um, I pretty much played it all the way back from launch to around the time that Overwatch 2 was announced, which was like three years ago. Um, by then, I had pretty much gotten back into Apex. And then, of course, the, like there was other games as well. Plus, Overwatch wasn't getting any major updates by then. And then, like to top it all off, it was on the... <sighs> Damn it, I'm... I'm... I guess the rear end of one of the worst metas that the game ever had with the GOATS meta, which I, I don't even want to explain, but it just made the game completely not fun for me. Um, so I dropped off from playing Overwatch really, really hard. Now with Overwatch 2, I can say that about after 15 matches that I played, I can say that the game as it is right now, which is just player versus player focused overwatch 2 wasn't worth the slow death of overwatch 1 it's still overwatch and it's kind of upsetting once you realize why they waited three years to release this game uh i guess the biggest change that they that they did was with uh team composition so it did either of you guys ever play overwatch i've watched I played it very briefly like with all this like 
you look more like here, try around kind of deal. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. watched Angel gotcha. try Overwatch on Elvis's PC. <laughs> so I've oh, I've gotcha, watched gotcha. over Angel playing, yes. So the game used to be 6v6, and now it's 5v5. Mm-hmm. Um, now the compositions should be... Uh, as before, the composition should have been made of two support characters, two damage characters, and two tanks, which are the uh, bigger characters with with uh, with uh, bigger health bars that are supposed to suck up damage and do uh, you know some massive damage themselves. This time around, you only get one tank, um, which is sort of this double-edged sword. Because that means that you no longer have to worry about two shield tanks putting up an insane defense. And it like balances out fights a little bit a little bit more than fights used to be. But the removal of a tank is also it also means that if you're playing with a friend, you better hope that you both don't play as tank. Um because I've been the tank main for as long as I can remember. And I have a friend that I play with occasionally, and she likes to play as a tank. So now one of us is asked out, and one of us has to play a different role. And depending on the competitive, uh, due to the ranking that this game now employs, uh, there are some times where we just can't play together because maybe her support is really, really high, and my tank isn't nowhere near her support ranking. So it's kind of caused a rift right there. Um, Aside from that, there are way less abilities focused on stun locking and crowd control. So for instance, McCree the cowboy, well, now he's called Cassidy. um, He used to have a flashbang that stunned your character for a split second. But in a fast-paced game like Overwatch that second could change the momentum of the fight. Um, uh, Brigitte's shield bash no longer stuns you. It just knocks you back. Um, Arissa, the tank, used to have an energy blast that pulled enemies towards that blast. Um, And without those, it honestly makes fights feel winnable. Where, as in Overwatch 1, there were some insane defenses that were near impossible to penetrate without proper coordination. Uh, not to say that this that you still don't need coordination with a team here, but even if there's no comms, uh, you could still end up winning some fights that otherwise would be impossible in the first game. Uh, they they added some like nice quality of life uh, additions where this game now has a ping system that Apex, uh, not not created, but very much popularized, uh, which is really, really cool. Um, there was another, uh, one huge quality of life uh, update that I, that I love that they did was, if you're playing a support character, and I guess if you're playing any character, but mainly for support characters, um, if you died, there was no way of letting your team know that hey, you're dead, you're not going to be receiving heals. Uh, now there is. And that's something that I've been wa- I've been wanting for Overwatch since launch, really. Um, 
but then that brings me to like another big issue that I have with this game is like why I had to wait or why we as a collective community had to wait three years for such sweeping mechanics. Um, and there is a very good answer as, as well, not a very good answer, but there is an answer as Jason stated earlier on, there's a PVE element that plays that takes into account for Overwatch 2's delay. Um, in essence, Blizzard originally announced Overwatch 2 as Overwatch 1's multiplayer, but with a brand new player versus environment component, a, a PVE component. Uh, but this PVE component would require a new engine for larger maps. Um, Overwatch 1 used to have these seasonal PVE events where you and three other players will play against bots. Some of these uh, events were like enemy wave based. Some did have you going through a small level taking out enemies. I personally was never a big fan of those. Just because the enemies weren't necessarily difficult. But they were more like damage sponges. So like imagine how much I cared when they said that Overwatch 2's main catch was just going to be this PvE mode. And funnily enough, Overwatch 2 has released no PvE <laughs> campaign. It's just the multiplayer. So, Overwatch 1, multiplayer only, Overwatch 1, died three years ago for this mode that still hasn't been released. And it's... It's, it's so weird. Um, on top of that, the monetization of this game, I'm not a huge fan of. They were moved away from the loot boxes to just straight up battle pass, just like any other live service game now. But it's the absolute worst type of battle pass that you can put in a game where there's not enough premium currency on the track that will let you pay for the next battle pass. The way that Apex and Fortnite do it. Um, which, to be honest, I'd be fine with. If there wasn't a time limit on the battle pass the way that the battle pass works in Halo Infinite. Um, I bought Halo's first battle pass. And I haven't played that game in over six months. But I know that as, as soon as I log in, I'll be exactly where I left it off. Plus, I can buy that current season's battle pass. And level them up concurrently. So. You're not getting enough money. To buy the next season's battle pass. Plus you also have to complete it. Within 60 days. And if you have a busy schedule. Like Angel. Or myself. Or Jason. When are you going to have time to. Rank it up all the way through. You know. That's yeah. It's, that sounds annoying. Like you're paying for. You're it's paying for a that you can't use so why are you paying for it yeah 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 let's say i paid ten dollars and i got an emergency that requires me to be out of the country for a month well if you're telling me that i can't get half of the rewards because you know i had an emergency it's, it's to it be sucks. honest the um, logic of it fits a company that's also like well we're selling overwatch one up until what two weeks ago I mean, it became free to play, but you could like, go buy a physical copy that comes with like a bundle of stuff, like at Best Buy, and then the game just turned off. 
It's like, oh, well, you paid for it, but you missed your shot. You missed your chance. Missed your shot. Sorry, game's gone now. But I could still probably go to Best Buy. Yeah, three weeks ago and buy Overwatch on a cartridge or a download code or whatever. So like, it doesn't surprise me they're doing this because that's a horrible practice they did with Overwatch One. Is like, can you imagine if Splatoon Three came out and Nintendo just turned off Splatoon Two, like completely? Like, let the audience migrate. Like, don't just. Wait, you didn't see their yeah. announcement for that? They didn't do that. They literally They're did not that. doing that. No. Yeah. No. If you go look in Splatoon 2, it's a bunch of people who are saying things like, um, you know, it's just us poor people left behind who can't afford Splatoon 3 or whatever. But, like, you know, and they're saying it jokingly, and not everyone that has Splatoon 2 and not 3 is poor or anything like that. But there's a valid point there. There shouldn't be, like, if you paid for a product, be it a battle pass or whatever. Unless their circumstances completely out of your control, like what's happening with Killer Queen Black, where their online servers by Amazon or uh, Amazon Games Park are just getting turned off because the service is discontinued for reasons beyond the game developer's control and the game publisher's control. Um, like, you shouldn't just turn things off or just, like, make things expire. Like, people paid money. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Like, they can't necessarily afford to go get the next one in the next 60 days. They can't necessarily – not everyone just has that cash available. Yeah. Um, to this game's credit, it is free to play. Uh, I don't know how that factors in once the PVE stuff is out. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, but with that battle pass does also come daily challenges and weekly challenges and monthly challenges and seasonal challenges. And these type of challenges seem incredibly unnecessary. And even disruptive to the way that you or your teammates play. And I honestly have this issue with any game that has a battle pass. Like in Halo, uh, one of the daily challenges would be to like get kills with a shotgun. Well, that presents a whole lot of issues. One, I have to get match made into a map that would drop a shotgun. Then wait for that shotgun to spawn. And hope that I'm the first one to pick it up. And then hope that I get 10 kills with it. Otherwise, like, like you know how there's that disconnect where, like, I'm not necessarily trying to help the team win. I'm trying to get my challenge done. Right. Yeah. In, in Overwatch, it's like, play a game as a tank. So that means that if I go into a game, there's a possibility that someone who has no idea how to play a tank is only oh, playing that tank to finish <laughs> that bad. challenge. Yeah. Right? I'm just thinking... And like I said, this... I was just going to compare it, like, with because I, you know, I did, like, Splat. The closest thing Nintendo does is stuff like Splatfest and Splatoon, right? You have a weekend, you have to work to do something. But I can't imagine, like, everyone has to use a roller to get more, like, shells and being, like, just a wall of rollers when you don't always want rollers. Like, to put in a Nintendo Ease. Like, that sounds awful. Why would they do that? Yeah, and like I said, I have this issue with, with, like, any game that has a battle pass that is wholly reliant on challenges, which at this point is pretty much every live service game. But... Like, especially in a game like this, I wish that challenges were disabled for ranked competitive modes. Or, like, just make a mode that it's like, hey, do your challenges in here. And, like, just know that you are probably not going to win. But because everybody here just wants to complete their challenges. So, you know, do something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes more sense. Is there not, like, a casual mode? There is a casual mode. But, you know, people still do... Mm. (laughs) It's, It's funny because whenever... First of all, if if it's not a competitive mode, I have no feelings towards it one one <laughs> another. 
So like I'll just drop into a casual match and like if I lose, I'm like I I yeah, honestly don't care. The purpose, right? Um, but there are people, but there are people that do, you know, like people will still scream at you. Oh, don't even. I'm not. I'm not even gonna touch the toxicity that this game brings. Um. Uh. Regardless. Um. People still like. Hey, some people don't like the the competitive nature of ranked, so they'll play casual, and they still want to win, and it's absolutely. You know they're absolutely right to feel that way, so that's why I I prefer a mode separate from the main mode. That's like, hey, do your challenges in here, and don't worry about losing. Yeah, whatever. It's like an achievement system that um, got a little too big for its britches. It sounds like, kind of, yeah, yeah, just a little bit. And like, don't get me wrong, <laughs> like I'm having fun. I haven't even talked about the new game type, which is sort of like this reverse tug of war. That honestly goes on for a little too long, but they're still like very chaotic and fun. And there are three new heroes that they added that are very, very fun. Um, this is the most fun I've had with Overwatch since like 2018. And I may make Overwatch my main online multiplayer game again. You know, it was originally Overwatch. Apex I dipped my toe into Rocket League. Then I went hard into like Apex, took a detour to Knockout City, and then eventually landed in the cesspit that is Valorant. <laughs> and, like, now I may go back to Overwatch. I don't know. At the know. end of the day, that's what Activision was it's... banking on. They did just enough to rehook yeah. you and everyone else, probably. Well, well, that's also part of my big issue with Activision Blizzard. And I hate that my mind works in this way, where the cynicism I have towards mm -hmm. Blizzard's uh, behind-the-scene choices with this game almost sours the fun I'm having. I, the way I like to explain it, it's like someone euthanized the pet that I loved three years ago, and then fast forward to the present, they're coming back with a brand new pet that I love just as much, which is really cool, but was it really worth taking that first pet behind the shed with the shotgun? Like, I don't yeah. know. Um, There's... And that's just what, what Overwatch 2 is for me right now. It's, it's more... Over, it's... It's still the same Overwatch. I still haven't played enough matches to, to like, to honestly solidify whether five v five is better than six v six. Um, but I'm still, but like I said, I'm, I'm having fun with it. It's just the behind the scene decisions that Blizzard made for this game. I, it's just the way that my mind works. I can't not excuse. I, I don't think some it's just stuff. you. I think there's. Oops, sorry, I just completely knocked my table. I'm at. Uh, no, there's there is. And this was bound to happen as we moved into services. There was a moment where a game would come out and be like, look at this cool game. And it was a one-off purchase and you bought it and you enjoyed it or you didn't. And that was it. And the game would live on in perpetuity as long as your console still worked and that was it. But now that like everything's a service and everything like evolves and constantly changes, even Nintendo's guilty of this on mobile, like you see – like uh, the man behind the curtain more so to speak like even if they were like we're going to discontinue selling overwatch one and in three years will make you overwatch two it's like all right well the overwatch one you own you can play and be fine with but now because services evolve and change and things move in and out and you know it's 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 a lot easier to be cynical because the cynicism of the business side of the industry is a lot more transparent because it has to be for how they're now trying to do their business but like by doing their business in this way, you just this stuff just becomes more visible to the end 
gamer, right? Because like if it was you know PS2 or three, let let's use um, Ratchet and Clank for example, or no, Dax and uh, uh, Jack and Daxter. Let's let's do that. Um, for a while there, that franchise was going, and it wasn't going, and then it started going again, and it stopped, and it had to come back, right? But we never knew, oh, well, they decided the sales weren't good enough, so they're going to pivot and do something else. Okay, the, the kart racer they did, or whatever that thing was, didn't work as well. They'll go back to the main game. They released the things, and either you played it and you liked it, or you played it and you didn't, or you just never bought it. Like, you know, easy. But now it's like things that people like have to actively devolve or change or evolve in a way they may not like, and they lose the original thing they have. And that makes the reasoning for why it changed just have to be in your face, whether you want to or not. So I don't think it's you and how you think. I think it's how the industry has morphed. And I think – and not to harp on this, but I always go back to like the problem with game preservation these days. But like literally this is that. Like even Mar- even Mario Kart Tour, let's use that. I mentioned last episode they're getting rid of Gotcha, right? Like they're going to be moving. I think it, I think they got rid of it this week actually. They're doing like a different system. If in some weird world you really like the random Gotcha mechanic – you can't continue playing that. That's like Nintendo went to your Mario Kart 8 and was like, oh, you like the anti-grav? Well, we're actually going to change it to um, something else and just pulled the feature out of your game. Like, it's just gone. And that's weird because we never had that in gaming before up until, you know, four or five years ago. So, yeah, I think, I don't think, again, I don't think it's you, Kevin, because I, I, I definitely feel the same way when I look at stuff now. And I'm sure even kids, when Fortnite is like, hey... Or adults, to be fair. But when people playing Fortnite, when Fortnite's like, hey, the season's over, we're changing the map. You're like, but I still like that other map. And they just never see it again. You know, or like Destiny, totally. where they took weapons away. Like, have there been, like, uh, it's, it's, you know. Maybe, hmm. or maybe on that big scale, like, have you actually been hit by, like, a, like, you were, like, you were legitimately going, like, I kind of feel like playing this. And then maybe you go on and you're like, oh, it's not done. Too, I think the closest, and I kind of, um, I think the closest I came, and I kind of alluded to this already, is when stuff loses Killer Queen Black as on principle. So Killer Queen Black, they announced this week, as I was saying before, uh, they're shutting down the online, not mm-hmm. by choice. It's uh, it's Amazon GameSpark was this API they used for like the online access, uh, online servers and stuff. It's shutting down. Didn't have enough support. Amazon doesn't want to continue it. And now the game's stuck because it was built around this legacy code that's defunct. So... Fortunately for us, we mostly play Killer Queen Black locally. Like, we often would go to your sister and brother-in-law's house, St. as you know, and have, like, eight of us in one room actually do 4v4 in person. It was a total blast. But in those, opp- in those times when maybe, like, you don't have eight people in a room, um, online was an option. That was the big selling point yeah, of the game. Yeah, I think we set it up online once we mostly, we mostly did it online before they allowed you to have eight people on one console. So we'd have two switches side by side connected That's to right. the internet to each other. But, no, there was, like... Yeah, like there was definitely a way that we... Worked around, yeah, that. yeah, we, we jerry rigged for sure, yeah. but yeah, and like that was for us local was fine. But if I ever, I own the game too, and if I ever wanted to go online, or like we did a couple times during the pandemic, if we ever want to do it again, we can't, like, we just can't. Like, fortunately, it's a minor issue for us. That's probably the closest I've personally come to something like this, um, where things are just yanked out of a game you already own. And I realize a lot of games have online services as interest wanes, like Splatoon 2 obviously has less of a player base now that Splatoon 3 is yeah. out. But for people who have Splatoon 2 and can only have Splatoon still 2, said, it's still, you can still do it. It's still there. Yeah, it, it, It's still a game of this generation. Like, thankfully, I haven't really run into that too much. Myself, the closest thing was this year. I'm pretty sure I talked about this on the podcast. I don't actually remember. Mm. But I managed to finally get a hold of a copy of 
um, Fall of Cybertron, the sequel to War for Cybertron oh, yeah, yeah. on yeah. PC through Amazon for Steam, which it's delisted on Steam, but if you go through Amazon, you could get the code there. How? And like <laughs> How I, about a weird most, workaround? And like I most likely said, yeah. and like I most likely said when I first brought up, that game is still amazing, holds up visually, gameplay, everything is still, oh my god, chef's kiss. But being my favorite Transformers game, uh, I also remember, even though, you know, there weren't a ton of people playing matchmaking online, it was still incredibly fun, and I did it regularly when it was out in its heyday. And, you know, it being 2022, and finally getting hold of this game, I was like, oh, man, I hope the servers are still up. But, you know, I didn't really have my hopes up. And sure enough, they are down. So I don't even have that option anymore. Like, the my memories of, you know, playing as a jet, like, Blasting off into the sky, transforming way high up in the air, sniping someone from up there, and then transforming again and flying off are just going to remain memories. Unless I could somehow pull that off like in-game, but, you know, doing it online against a person is amazing. And it turns out the servers were shut down on 2020, so not even that long ago. So I technically could have, right. if it had occurred to me to check Amazon just a couple years earlier, I could have basically been playing this on... Oh, maybe not, because I built my PC in 2020, so I probably would have had at least a couple months with it. But, yeah, that did kind of bum me out a little. It was, well, it, you know, the game is really old. It's almost a decade old, probably. And that's... It was not a little more. Almost but understandable. It's a more understandable. Yeah. But for something like Splatoon, where the game is... I mean, they they haven't done that yet, but... Nor will they you know, anytime soon. For a game that basically is losing a lot of its player base, or, you know, even the one that we are talking about. Right now, like though, like Killer Queen Black is still, I would say, it's still pretty new overall. Like to only lose it in less than like three, four years, it's kind of crazy. That's what's insane to me is it's it's happening in the current generation. Like I can understand you can't maintain servers forever, and the situation with Cybertron for you sucks for sure. But like I kind of get it, and I think I've at least personally come to terms with if I have an old game, I'm playing it locally. But Killer Queen's not old. Um Overwatch was still, like I was saying to Kevin a few minutes ago, still, you could go into Best Buy and probably see the box on the shelf up to, like, less than a month ago. Um, And, you know, there's, like, the one that Platinum Games and Square Enix just discontinued, um, Babylon's Fall or whatever. That came out in February, and they're shutting it down in December. Now, granted, no one bought the thing or played the thing, and that's why, so okay. But, like... For the few people who actually did, or just on principle, that's insane that you just spent 60, 70 bucks getting this Platinum action game or whatever. And then Platinum's just like, well, we can't maintain our roadmap because not enough people bought it. So those who did buy it are now being punished by basically having their money go to waste. And the experience that maybe they do enjoy becoming un, you know, attainable. Like they're not able to do that after the end of this year. And that's just so wild to me because it's not like Outside of Warner Brothers Discovery starting to yank down content because they're trying to find ways to cut costs and not to pay residuals, which in and of itself is insane. But outside of that... Yeah, how Multiverse still keeps doing well. Right, yeah, that, that, that they're fine there. Short. They're fine there. But like outside of like close enough stuff getting yanked off Warner Brothers Discovery, like any other media, you can still find. You can pirate it if you need to. You can get it through many different sources. You can buy a physical copy, and it will if you can find a way to get it, it will be exactly what it always was. Games are no longer, games used to be like that. That's what I was kind of saying before, like PS1, 2, 3 eras. 
not the case anymore. And that's really hard, I think, for a lot myself and from what Kevin was saying, it sounds like him too, uh, which, you know, if he feels otherwise, I'm sure I'll chime in. But I think it, 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 it yeah, it's just hard to not be cynical about because you look at these decisions as business choices and yeah. And it, even in the case of Code Queen Black, it's not the developer's business choice, not the publisher's business choice. It was Amazon's business choice. But nonetheless, it was a choice that now is impacting an existing product. Like the closest thing that I can think of is like smart home tech. Um, smart home tech all lives in the cloud, right? Like everything you do, like, oh, someone rang your doorbell, has to go ping a server and then come back. Or maybe you have a hub locally and it could do it over your LAN, Wi-Fi, whatever. But for the most part, a lot of smartphone tech lives in the cloud. So when these fly-by-night smart home companies come and go, your stuff will mysteriously stop working. That is true. But no media does that. You know, it's not like your car currently, this will change in the future, but it's not like your car, if they decide, you know what, we're not going to do further software updates to your infotainment system. Okay, that's fine. At least my car still works as a car. Like I'm missing some stuff, but the rest works. But now to like, you know, turn off an entire game with Overwatch or shut down things in the same generation. Like you imagine if Tesla rolled out like a model, uh, let's call them all four. And it didn't sell well because everyone wants to have their Model 3s. So then a year later, like, actually, not only are we going to stop selling Model 4s, we're going to put an update on all the Model 4s that stop them from running. Like, it's insane in principle. But gaming, you're just kind of like, yeah, I guess that's what they do. And that's what's so hard, I think, for to wrap my head around, at least, that we've reached that point. So, I don't know. I think your, your Cybertron yeah. example is more true to just the 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 reality of being able to maintain servers but at least give yeah, it a generation that's just like part of its life cycle like yeah i mean i was disappointed but i was like yeah i mean this studio isn't even running anymore yeah like but... there's like there's no reason to keep the servers going it's just it's just yeah dead. like and and, and, I, and eventually fall guys will suffer that yeah and but that's the thing with fall guys that's it lives and breathes on that so it's not gonna be like oh we can only play single player fall guys it's like nope fall guys will cease to be Rocket League will cease to be. Fortnite will cease to be. This could be generations from now. Who knows? But, like, it sucks when it's within the generation or when it's something that's part of the current generation and then just gets abruptly cut. So, yeah. 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 But, in the, yeah. but while it lasts, yeah. it's fun, at least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you yeah. imagine if the rest of the podcast just us saying yeah back and forth for, like, 20 minutes? I won't actually do it, but, but Kevin, yeah, we kind of sidetrack a lot from Overwatch. But was there anything? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, Kevin, we totally sidetracked there. Was there anything you had to say? Oh no, that's no, that's that, that's all, all right. I had to say. I mean, the game is now free to play, or the multiplayer is now free to play. We should we should play one of these days. It's on Switch, so, yeah. It is crossplay, so yeah. I, I want to say it is. So. Yeah, actually, I know it is. Yeah, okay. I'm down. I'll. I'll... Well, I know Overwatch. Yeah, one I think was two on is Switch, as well. but that took on launch. I think I saw Nintendo tweet. A thing about it, and I believe they announced it as launch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What yep. a bad they podcast answer. we are. Is this major release on the platform that we used to center ourselves around? I don't know, <laughs> but but yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, or watch yeah. too. We should play sometime. Yeah, we should play. Yeah. Yeah. It's free, so yeah. Might as well. Back to our yeah circle. Yeah. All right. So. <laughs> I see on here Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which I have been meaning to watch because it's made by Studio Trigger, a studio that my brother and I are big fans of, mainly known for Kill the Kill, uh-huh. BNA, 
Darling in the Franks and a Star Wars thing they did for Visions. Oh yeah, they did. But I have not it. seen this. And Promare. Let alone have I forgot about Promare. Oh and Promare, yeah. And that movie was also super awesome. Definitely yeah. a theater movie, Jesus. But um Yeah, I had not watched this, let alone play the game. But I've only heard positive things about it. Even from my brother who's usually pretty picky. But yeah, I'm guessing you've it's, uh... seen it already. How long is it? I've I've seen it all. It's ten episodes, and it's good. And I won't give it any more praise than that. Um, it takes place before Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. It doesn't follow any of the characters of that game. Uh, the cast in this is completely new. It follows uh David Martinez, a high schooler in Night City, mm-hmm. who pretty much loses everything in his life, and then he decides to join like a small mercenary crew. Uh, and then every episode from there on just follows them as they go mission to mission to make money to survive in Night City. But then eventually you get you do get into the uh, like serialized stuff where it's like, oh, this small little subplot is now becoming the the big plot of the of the show. Um, the cast is very very fun, but it is sort of like your standard. Typical. Oh, here's the here's the uh, the wacky scoundrel, and here's the the girl who has the short fuse, and you have your mysterious love interest. So it's like typical anime stuff. There, the anime does translate that world very very well uh, into animated form. Like Night City is just as dangerous as the game makes it out to be. There's like very sketchy areas that you that you see in the in the show, and like even sketchier individuals around it. Like I, one thing that I do like that they touch upon really well is, uh, individuals that experience this thing called cyber psychosis, which happens when somebody receives way too much like body augmentations. And it's something that the characters in this anime have to worry about, but it's actually something that you didn't have to even think about when uh, you were playing the game. Uh, and then like the, the hacking that you do in the game, they've, translated very well it looks really cool when they do it in uh in the anime but funnily enough the the part that my biggest issue with the show is the animation which there are some parts that look very good this like you said this is studio trigger kill a kill promare uh darling in the franks which i never saw but i've heard very mixed things about that one um they do still make night city look very vibrant and then there are like scenes where people's heads are getting blown off or bodies are being exploded that look very cool but the art style doesn't lend itself well to the actual animation if that makes sense the same way Mm -hmm. that kill it kills art style looks really cool when it's fluid this art style doesn't this art style doesn't let them be as fluid as they can be or as a promare can be you know um, yeah, like I liked, I liked it. Uh, it didn't get me back into the game, but it did get really close to. I, I, I was thinking about. I was like, do I go back to a Cyberpunk? A lot of people I'm did. PlayStation Five now, maybe. A lot yeah, of people did. It yeah, rocketed uh, up it Steam. finally hit one million. Yeah, it hit one million concurrent players on Steam at some point. Whoa. Uh, it was in Steam Deck's top ten most played games the few weeks that that uh it came out afterwards. You know, and, like, on top of that, the game now plays better than it ever did. Like, a lot of the bug fixes, 
fixes are finally out, which I never experienced that many bugs. I think I experienced a few, but none of them that were ever game breaking. And apparently those have been reduced quite significantly. Yeah. I, I feel like credit where it's due. We were really ragging on like games of services and kind of these games that live on past their initial release and then get shut off randomly. But the flip side of that coin is like now that Edge Runners is out and people can rediscover Cyberpunk, as you point out. They worked on it for two years. It's good now. Like or like No Man's Sky. Remember how like kind of ho hum it was at launch, and now it's like up to like its fourth update, three years in or something, four years in, and it's very well received. And it just came to Switch with all these new features, and like yeah, like they, we're, we were being really harsh on like the downsides of like games living on past their release date into something that can then be shut down. But on the other hand, stuff like this is possible. Like games are given a longer lease on life in some instances, so. I feel like since we're talking about it, it, it shouldn't. Way, it, it should be there from day one. Uh, even Nintendo's guilty of that, as we talk about all the time with how they sort of drip feed content after the launch. But in the case of something being buggy where, you know, who knows if it even would have gotten released in past life versus knowing it could get fixed post-release, at least, at least this allows this to happen in a way that, like, you know, a buggy PS1 game would never be addressed. It would just stay buggy. The whole a good uh, delayed game is bad forever, or a good, a rush, Miyamoto's, you know, a good game delayed, whatever quote, like, it's still true, but like, at least there's now ways to fix things after release, especially stuff they may not anticipate. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I had. We need that third, yeah. 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 Well, definitely looking forward to watching that. Maybe I'll check out an episode today, but obviously I need to watch Mob Psycho episode one today. Obviously. Yep, Mob Psycho episode one was very, very good. Another anime that I'm I'm sure at some point I've recommended to Jason, but he refuses to take any recommendations unless they're from, like, people outside of his social Not true. That we're aware of. Not true. I cannot elaborate because I don't have any good examples th- th- in my th- th- That's what your record has shown so far, but... You know, Cobra Kai, it is what it is. excuse me, Cobra Kai came directly from you, and I'm now super into that show, and actually now watch the new seasons before you even do. Yeah, but you watched it, like, I think it was way after. I think it was until it, no. um, your girlfriend was like, hey, let's no, watch No, 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 it, right. it came from you, and I convinced her to give it a shot. She's like, I don't care about Cry Kid. So, there's the glowing example because now i'm more into it than you I, I am more on top of it than you are now i didn't even know it was out exactly I mean, it's my point I'm, exactly I'm watching it with point. my mom you didn't even know it was out till i asked you about it so there <laughs> and the and the bear yeah, and like, the bear the one i was on, thinking of i was thinking um, about attack on titan but uh, yeah. well, and the bear on fx is next on the list we're finishing up the patient because this one my girlfriend got a strong arm watching first but, i never recommended the bear but kevin did that and that's next I on my list after the, the patient once it's done with its new episodes in a couple weeks so yeah mm. yeah so I, I listen just has to i guess not be anime i don't know wow oh wow there's a whole different world of media that you're I know. missing. That's, I'm not saying it's it's intentional. It's just that's where I gravitate, I guess. Yeah. It's got sad. Good that was a sad yeah. We went, from, gravitating Jason. we went from happy yes to sad yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we're at the, I'll, I'll call it the, the hour and a half point. Did anyone have anything else that they wanted to bring up by any chance? I think we're random good. Doodad, random R.I.P. to Kevin wanting to talk about his AirPods. One day you will, Kevin. One day you will. 
I mean, that's why I asked. It could be the perfect time right now. Uh, they're great. Oh, that's how. Ten that's out of ten. Would buy again. <laughs> ten out of ten. I don't have any. I'm just speaking on your behalf without consulting with you. If it really is ten out of ten. Wow, Jason. I have old AirPods. I don't have the Nine new fancy pros. Amazing, astounding. I know. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. I guess in that case, I guess let me see if I could try doing this uh, housekeeping yeah. section. Yeah, let's um, see. I'll, I'll chime in if there's corrections needed, but I think you got this. I believe in you. Like and subscribe. See you guys next week. Um, and <laughs> okay. for <the> final word, <laughs> uh, Kevin, um, play it out. We didn't. What? Uh, yeah, you can follow us on Random Nintendo. You can follow us individually at uh, JSR7 for Jason. Uh, W E I R O underscore O for Wero O for Angel. I am uh, KVN Gomi on the Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on all your favorite uh, podcast services. And we will be back in two weeks with another episode. I think See I got Angel. it. That's how you do it. That's how I wanted him to do it. There we go. Oh, damn it. He didn't say the and, final word. Uh, Our final word. Go. Jason, take us out with the final word. Don't eat Pokemon sandwiches in front of Fido. It's cruel, and you're better than that. <laughs>